The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Baptist Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, just as we're singing that and focusing on the one who is worthy of us surrendering, of us laying down our lives, of us in wild abandon laying down our lives and praising you. Uh, I am hit with, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about a sermon today, Lord, where I'm going to, I guess, try to describe the undescribable. I'm going to use my words and talk about the one who words are insufficient to talk about. So I stop, Lord, and I say, help. Uh, Lord, give us an understanding here. Give us, uh, through your spirit, would you teach us during this time? In your name, amen. And you may be seated. We are going to go in a couple minutes to the book of Judges, chapter 13. So if you want to get ahead of me there, you can do that. We started a series last week where we've been talking about the characteristics of God that are unique to God. In other words, there are th some things in God's character that we can ascribe to, and He will grow us. We will mature, uh, you know, becoming more like Him, maybe in love, maybe in mercy, and we can grow and become more like Him. There are some things that are, I, I call the series hands-off, just totally... It's none of our, these are things that belong uniquely to God. Last week we looked at the idea that God is infinite and we are finite, the great difference there. Uh, this week, our word for today is incomprehensible. That's a uh, word we'll look at for a little bit. You know, all week long, here's how my strange little mind goes, but uh, all week long I'm thinking about this word incomprehensible and all I can think about is the Princess Bride movie and the, the, uh, the, the weird little guy who kept saying, incomprehensible and the Spaniard would say uh, I don't I don't think that it means what you think it means I know I know then on Friday I looked it up and I thought I want to see that that scene in that movie wrong word <laughs> that's not even the word he says he says inconceivable over and over again but uh, if you could hear the uh, Indigo Mantoya, you killed my father, prepared to die. Uh, but if you can hear him say, you, uh, I don't think you know what that means, or I don't think that means what you think it means. I don't know if he knows what it means, but the, the word inconceivable actually is that idea of unbelievable. I can't, uh, I can't believe that that really happened. This word goes beyond that and talks about that. This is some things that... Uh, just in describing God as incomprehensible, it is beyond our ability to understand. Okay, we cannot get there. So we're going to look at a narrative in the book of Judges, a little story here that I want to read through where, where we'll take a little look at the idea of how inconceivable God is in here. I'm going to begin in verse number one. It says, the people of Israel again did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, I like to mark different things in my Bible. I circle the word again. Same old story. Here we go. Uh, they, uh, they move away and they need a redeemer. And God uh, is going to send them a redeemer. But it says, so the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. And there was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites who I think I have some ancestors in that tribe. I couldn't resist saying that. My name is Dan. I wanted to, I'm sorry, I had to do that. Uh, I'll, I'll stop now. Uh, but anyway, this guy's name is Manoah, and his wife, who the Bible never tells us her name, she is just known as Manoah's wife, uh, was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. 
Therefore be careful, drink no wine or strong drink, eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to, uh, to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then when a woman came and told her husband, a man of God came to me, as his appearance was like the angel uh, of God. It was very awesome. I should stop there for a second. You know, words sometimes take on a little bit meanings or have multiple meanings. The word awesome there probably would be best translated terrifying. Said so it wasn't like, oh, awesome, dude. It was more like, yo. It just, it just knocked me over. It blew me over. It scared me. Uh, he was so awesome. Um, and I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink, eat nothing unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb uh, to the day of his death. So you're going to have a son. You're going to des- uh, uh, dedicate him to the Lord through the Nazarite vow. I want you to begin to live the way that he is going to live because of this vow. And, of course, also for her health and pregnancy, I'm sure. But here's some, here's some rules for you. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord. So the man, the father, prays to the Lord, and he says, O Lord, please let this man of God who you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with this child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah rose and went after his wife and came to the man and said, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now, when when your words come true, what is to be this child's manner of life, and what is his mission? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I have said to this woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine. Neither let her drink wine or strong drink, or eat anything unclean. All that I command it, let her observe. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please, let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you, at least stay for dinner. And the angel of the Lord said to the man, If you detain me, I will not eat of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, so that when your word comes true, we may honor you? And the angel of the Lord said, Why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? That word wonderful is another word that, you know, is a little limited, I guess, as far as the English goes. In some translations, uh, the word that is actually there is the word incomprehensible. So as we read through this story, it is really the story of this incomprehensible God. And uh, so uh, he says, why do you ask? Because basically you're not going to grasp it anyway. You're not going to be able to understand this. It is too wonderful for you. So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it on, uh, on the rock to the Lord, uh, to the one who works wonders. And Manoah and his wife were watching. And when the flame went up towards heaven from the altar, the angel Lord went up to the flame on, of the altar. Now Manoah and his wife were watching, and they fell on their faces to the ground. And the angel Lord peered uh, no more to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die, for we have seen God. Let me go ahead and stop there uh, for now as we kind of explain this, this introduction of this word incomprehensible. Okay, this is beyond what, what you can get here. 
And uh, in this story, we see Manoah get to the place where he says, okay, we've just seen God. He can't see God and live, so therefore I, I figure with it we're going to die. His wife comforts him and says, oh, no, no wait, wait a minute. You know, God, uh, sure, he's called us to do this. He's visited us, you know, and he accepted our offering, so we're good. We're, we're good on that. But this is something that is called, you ready for, uh, we'll, we'll be highly educated for a few minutes. This is called a theophany. Okay, uh, eight times uh, throughout the Old Testament, we find a place where God actually appeared. Once he appeared as a bush, burning bush, he spoke. Three or four times as an angel of the Lord, and three or four times as a man. I forget the, which one is three and which is four. This is one of those times where it is God, he comes uh, and, and appears to them and, and, and speaks to them. And, you know, they are, they are awestruck. They are, they are overwhelmed. Why? Because, and he says this to them, why do you ask my name? You're really not going to grasp this whole thing anyway. You're not going to grasp who I am. Now, I don't, I don't know how that sits with you. Pastor stands up, and first of all, the first thing that he says is, "Hey, I'm the pastor here, and I want to tell you, you are not going to understand what I'm talking about." <laughs> okay, and you're like, "Yeah, I know. We were here last week, but uh, we, we we get we get it. We we've tried to listen to you before, but that that is really the message. Is God is you know when I was looking for a title for our series, I kind of wanted to just say big." You know, I, because what, we're, what I want to invite you to do during these weeks as we look at God, I want you to go out in the middle of a field somewhere, away from all the light pollution, in the middle of a starry night, and just sit there and look up and say, yikes, <laughs> this is incredible. How big, how awesome, how far beyond me. There's no way I could count all these stars. There's no way I could see this. There's no way I can wrap my mind around how big God is. Okay, I, I just can't do it. So as we explore the story, a few things I'd like to, I'd like to point out to you. One of them, uh, the first of them is that although incomprehensible, God wants to be known by you and me. Now that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Uh, although he is unknowable, he wants to be known by us. So let, let's explore that just a little bit more. In what we call the high priestly prayer of Jesus, in John chapter 17, where he prays for us, he says, and this is eternal life, that you know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is one of his prayers for us, that we would know God. Okay, wait a minute, you just said God is unknowable, and now you are saying that one of the things that Jesus wants for us is that we can know him. Well, first of all, God cannot be fully known, okay? God cannot be fully known. I had an uh, experience. I was working at a, a factory once, and uh, one of the guys that worked there was a pastor, a uh, bivocational pastor, so he pastored a church, and he also worked at this factory. And when, it, when they introduced himself to me and to everybody else there, he called himself Pastor Dave, now, if you know anything about me, I don't like that. I don't know why I don't like that. <laughs> it just rubbed me the wrong way. Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. And I, you're not my pastor. Get out of here. Uh, but uh, I'm a little bit of a smart aleck, so you have to, you have to go, go with that. But this guy liked to, you know, and I don't know. Maybe I don't want to offend you saying this, but I, there is a certain, like, pastor-type voice that some people put on, you know, well, brother, uh, and I just, I just hate that. Uh, my, my kids make fun of me whenever I do it, and if you ever hear me do it, you are very welcome, because uh, I really don't like it, but he definitely had this pastor tone about everything, and he'd say, well, my friends, 
let us pray for these snacks that come out of the vending machine. You know, that type of thing. Uh, one day they were in there and the discussion had turned to some things about the Lord. It, it, it turned on some spiritual things. And this guy stood up and he, I'm, I'm not kidding, he said, well, as somewhat of an expert on God, <laughs> I thought, ah, uh, get this man away from me. But, uh, but I remember he said, as somewhat of an expert on God, you know, like I'm the local voice for God. Let me explain to Pastor Dave and to everybody else. There ain't no experts on God except God. God is the only expert on God. That's what we're saying. We cannot, let, let's look at a couple of verses to kind of back that up. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says God. There are neither are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and inscrutable his ways. Okay? Very simply, God cannot be fully known if we can remember the only expert on God is God. However, God can be personally known. And I think that passage there that we looked at a couple minutes ago in John chapter 17, uh, he says, this is eternal life that you know him. I want to invite you in to know him personally. Okay, there's a story in scripture of a man by the name of Saul. We know him as the Apostle Paul. And of his confrontation, of his meeting, of his getting to know God personally. Where God appeared to him and showed him his need of a Savior. Uh, talked to him about the things that he was doing wrong. And he recognized his sin. And he had a personal confrontation with God. And when that happens, God says he places his Holy Spirit inside of us. And then we begin to know him personally. I don't know if that phrase sounds a little weird to you, like if you walked in and if you're a guest today and you walked into the lobby and I said, hey, do you know Jesus personally? You might be like, okay, I've seen these weird people run around the park or the airport or something like that. This is kind of weird. But I can remember in my life when that, when that question was first posed to me, do you know him personally? And at the time, while I, I knew about church, I, I knew a little bit of the Bible. I didn't know much of the Bible, but I knew a little bit about the Bible. And I knew, I guess, about religion. And I knew people at church and everything like that. But I realized when somebody asked me that, no, I did not know God personally. And what I came to understand is that uh, that personal knowledge of him comes when a person believes in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of their sin where they turn to him and say, hey, I have a need here, and I recognize that Jesus is the only one who can meet, meet that need as my Savior, and I, re, I believe in him. I place my trust in him. And it says then he gives us his spirit, and then we can know him personally. That is why, you know, around here I'll say, hey, you don't need me. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a priest. You don't need a rabbi to talk to God. This is a, Jesus is that, that one that, that comes into our life, okay, that, it develops with us a personal relationship. And he calls us to, um, I'm going back to that verse we looked at in John 17 again, but Jesus said, this is eternal life that you know me personally. This is eternal life. This is what I want you to have. That eternal life, it's talking about more than just a time period. It's talking about this, this living relationship with him. It's eternal life. That's what he calls us to. So yes, we cannot, or no, we cannot owe, uh, know him fully, but we can know him personally. And we could also say this, we can know him sufficiently. Um, the Bible tells us that uh, God reveals himself to us. In the book of Romans, uh, he gives us what is called general revelation. Everyone knows about God through their conscience, just an inward knowledge. The Bible says God's placed in eternity in our hearts. We have an inward knowledge that there is a God. 
Uh, we also have creation that is part of his general revelation that we can see and know that he is there. Uh, we have a more specific revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ and in his word uh, that we can know more about him. But I want to give an illustration of the fact that he can be sufficiently known. And I want to tell you ahead of time, this is a lame illustration. Okay, Does it make you want to listen? <laughs> no. why, why would you? But I wanted to say that because I wanted you to realize that any illustration of God is going to be lame. There's nothing that I can take out of creation to adequately show you the creator. Okay? To, to perfectly and completely show you. I can't do it. Okay? I mean, there's different times, you know, you'll hear a sermon. Ah, that was a good illustration. That helped me remember this or anything like that. I, I think, you know, the, the commandment that says that we should not make any graven image. I think that's because there's nothing that's going to really give us a good picture. He is so far above and beyond anything. So when we try to picture him like that, we're going to come up way short. So I say ahead of time, this is somewhat of a lame illustration. But if you could think of God as a cell phone for a minute here, okay? Uh, my cell phone can do a multitude of different things that I cannot begin to understand, okay? I do not begin to understand really how that cell phone works, but... I still have a beneficial relationship with my cell phone, if you want to say it like that. Again, I know somewhat of a lame illustration, but it is I know sufficient amount about my cell phone uh, that it is very beneficial. In a lot of ways, that's a, you might remember we looked at a verse back in Deuteronomy uh, back in the spring in 29:29, but it said that the secret things belong to the Lord. The things that he reveals enough to us enough to us that we can follow him and obey him, but the secret things belong to the Lord. We we may struggle with that concept, we may rebel a little bit against that concept that I am not going to fully know God. Second idea that I want you to think about is although we cannot fully know, we are fully known. If you look at that story there. Um, it says that this woman, Manoah's wife, is barren. Uh, and uh, when the angel of the Lord, what's he come? He comes first and he, he knows who she is and he knows her situation. There's another story in the book of Genesis about a woman that God comes to and, and uh, he tells her that his name is the God who sees. And he said, it's a story, Hagar, but I don't have time to go into the whole thing. But he says, hey, you, you know, I get it. I know there, there are stories throughout where Jesus talked to somebody and he already knew their situation. You know, the woman at the well, she told him one thing. He said, yeah, you said that right, but let me go beyond that. I know you even better than that. I know you. And I think the best place we can look and talk about how much it is that God actually knows us is uh, Psalm 139. And I want to take a moment and read uh, the first six verses of uh, Psalm 139. But as I do that, I also want to encourage you to uh, read the rest. Psalm 139, just awesome look at how God knows us. But, oh, Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. <laughs> you know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts afar off. You search out my path, my lying down, and are acquainted with all of my ways. E Listen to this. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, God, you know it. <laughs> before I even thought about saying it, God, you already knew what I was going to say. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot obtain it. 
You can read through the rest of Psalm 139 and just understand that there's a God. And, and that, that, that also might not at first sit all that well. Wait a minute, God knows? Uh, do you like to, you know, somebody, oh, do you ever have somebody say, oh, she's got you pegged, or he's got you pegged? You know, no, they don't. They don't know me that well. But I have to tell you, God does. So as we look at this idea that we are, uh, though we cannot know him completely, we are completely known, understand that when I say that we're completely known, I'm not talking about by others. For the scripture says this, that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So man can only see what is on the outside. And therefore, <laughs> other people do not completely know me. You know, this helps, this uh, this helps me deal with the fear of other people's opinions. When somebody misjudges my intentions and it hurts because, you know, ah, you just think, you know, I, it, this helps me to realize they don't know. They really don't know what is going on in my heart. This also helps me in dealing with other people when I realize that I don't know them. Um, for the small groups this week, one of the questions is uh, they ask you to identify somebody, in, a very difficult person in your life. And then they ask you how much you really know about that person. Think, of, think about that for a second. You know, how often have I been upset with somebody, but then when I heard more of their story, when I've heard their old, whole story, I began to understand where they're coming from, why they acted the way they did, why they're, they're, they're hurting. So it is definitely true that I am not fully known by others. We could also say that I am not fully known, we are not fully known by ourselves. Psalm 19.2, the psalmist said, Who can discern my errors? errors but what he was saying is uh, who can see their own faults and how often do we have a hard time actually spotting the faults in our own lives we know it is so much easier to see it in others Jeremiah uh, 17 uh, verse number 9 says that the heart is deceitfully wicked who can know it so whatever personality test you give yourself which may be incredibly helpful in business world or church world or anything like that and may help you to know some things about yourself I have to tell you that you're not going to know yourself perfectly remember the old Greek thing know thyself I, I thought I wonder what that was all about know thyself that's what we're supposed to do I thought Plato or Aristotle or somebody must have said that know thyself I need to know myself so I, I looked it up this week you know that it doesn't really even it's not telling us that it's on a temple know thyself and what it was really put there for was kind of like uh, be aware of yourself when you're coming in here don't misbehave you know like watch yourself mind yourself that that type of thing so we are not going to perfectly know ourselves so therefore I would say that it is safe to say that not only is God the only expert on God but God is the only expert on you Remember Psalm 139, all that he knows us from the inside out. And folks, here's something that if you take nothing else today, if you'd stop and think about this for a second, God knows me inside out. He knows everything about me. He knows every thought. He knows what I was going to say before I said it. He knew that I was just going to say that, and he knows what I'm going to say next. And he knows everything. knows what I'm going to say to my wife at lunch today and during the football. Well, maybe uh, <laughs> you might not even want to know that today. But, uh, the, you know, but, the, uh, but he knows everything like that. And here's the cool part. He loves me. Isn't that incredible? He knows the one, the old song used to say this, the one who knows me best loves me most. That's overwhelming, isn't it? And that, that, that's just awesome to think about that he knows me. And this certainly helps me to live a real life because I don't have to put on the front for anybody because God knows everything about me anyway, right? Uh, nothing is hidden from God. Let's go to uh, our third point. And it's this, although we don't understand, we can trust in the story again, 
uh, everything that God told Manoah's wife, everything that God conveyed to this couple about their child, very simply came true. Everything that he said was spot on. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what's going to happen. And it happened. Although we do not understand, although he is, he is beyond our comprehension completely, uh, I can still trust this God. Now, I can trust him, but I don't want to trust in my own understanding. It is wise for me to remember just how limited I am in this regards. How incredible much there is that I don't know. You know, sometimes I, you know, my arrogance creeps in. I'll be watching a baseball game and I say something like, I could pitch better than that guy. <laughs> you, you know what? I really couldn't. Uh, I might be able to get the ball to, to the catcher's glove. I might not. I'm not, sure. I'm not really even sure anymore. I couldn't really pitch better. Uh, last Sunday night in my mumbling and grumbling, I was saying, I could coach better than that idiot. I'm sorry. I wouldn't mean to say idiot out loud. I just did, didn't I? But that is actually what I said. Uh, and, uh, you know, I thought, I could do better, better than that. You know, truth is, no, I really couldn't. Uh, I could slam a clipboard as well as anybody, but I really don't think that I could, that I can coach, out coach or out think or anything like that. I am incredibly limited. So why is it then that I like to suggest to God how we ought to do things better? You ever think about that? Do we ever do that? Uh, God, you're not getting this right. Um, but so often that that is really the what my heart is saying, even if those words don't come out of my mouth, a lot of times what my heart is saying, God, you're messing this one up. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if a week goes by that somewhere along the line, I'm, just, I'm not kind of like, I don't get this, God. I don't, I don't think. And how much God wants us to learn that though we don't understand what he is doing, we can trust him. We cannot trust our understanding, but we can trust his character. Um, for about five years now, once a month, I get to go down and preach it ministries and they always had this thing where all you had to do was say the phrase God is good and the whole group would respond all the time yeah I'd say God is good the whole all, all the time and I learned you know I could just you know hit, hit that or if I said all the time they would say God is good they come back right away well, over the, I haven't done that for a long time, and the crowd at Hope changes. They go through their classes there, and then they graduate and move on. So, you know, I'm on about my fifth generation of residents down there. And the other night, uh, I was preaching, and I stopped, and I said, God is good. And they just all looked at me. <laughs> Apparently, we don't do that here anymore. Uh, I tried it again. I said, all the time. And they just looked at me again. I said, God is good all the time. And they were still just looking at me like, I don't know what this guy's uh, doing. But, uh, but that idea of the character of God and knowing that he is good and knowing that although I'll never completely understand him, the more I understand him in this life and in the next, what I will find is that he is good. Okay, the more I understand it, the more I grow in it, I will learn. It is not going to be like, hey, the better I get to know him, the more I am disappointed. The more I get to know him, the more I'm going to, to understand that he is perfect. The more I get to know him, I'm going to understand his character and know that indeed he is good. The third thing there is, although I won't trust in my character, uh, I'm sorry, in my understanding, I'll trust in his character and I also will trust in his word. You have maybe heard the song or seen the bumper sticker or something like that, but uh, we always say God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Not really the best. I want to take the middle line out of that thing. Okay? God said it. Done. 
okay? I can trust his word. Uh, when he came to Manoah's wife here, everything that he said was to come true. And the promise and the picture of the Redeemer, of Jesus Christ, also come true in the, in the person of, Je of Jesus Christ. I can trust then in the word of God. We're going to take a moment here at the end, and, and I'm going to invite you. I, I want to read some of that word with you that we can trust in. Um, as, uh, I'm going to ask Adam and uh, David to come on back up because uh, I want to leave us with a closing song when we get done with that. But I'm going to read to you from the book of Romans, chapter 8. And sometimes this is done... At the beginning of the service, it might be uh, something we can and uh, could and should do around here a little bit more and, and perhaps will. But uh, as we read the Word of God, uh, we're going to stand and sing anyway. Let, let's also stand just out of respect for the Word of God. As we think about the whole idea of, yes, indeed, I cannot trust in my understanding, but although I don't understand Him completely, I can still trust Him. The first verse that I'm going to read is one that uh, if, if you've been in church culture, you, you may be familiar with. It may be new to you, but either way, listen closely as we read verse number 28 of Romans 8. It says, we know for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. If I can just stop to point out for a second, it says all things work together. It does not say that everything that happens in our life, we will immediately see how it is good and what God is doing and that we're going to like it. But it says that God is in control. And his promise is that all things work together for good. I'm going to jump down to verse number 31. It says, who shall say to these things? I'm, I'm sorry, what, I'm sorry. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against me, against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us even now. Sorry, as in my preacher voice, you might want to slap me. But I got so excited. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we were being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things uh, to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Maybe you want to grab that promise, read over Romans chapter 8 today. Maybe you want to go back and read Romans chapter 139 and say, maybe the biggest question that you want to look at today is, do I know Christ personally? Have I ever, has he ever showed me that I need a Savior? I need somebody to forgive my sin. Have I ever put my faith in him and said, Jesus Christ, I, I need you. I, I need you. Uh, I can't make myself right with you, God. Thank you for sending your son to pay the price for my sin so that I can be right with you. 
maybe that is the need. As I said, I'd like, uh, guys, at least I think we're going to sing about that amazing grace again. As uh, I set my sermon notes aside last night and uh, took a walk, I thought, looking back at the sermon, you know, you're, you're playing a little game. Hey, how's this going to go? And, and uh, I was thinking, uh, I don't know if I have enough practical in there. Like, okay, now take this, go do this, you know, like that. And as we study these characteristics of God and see that they belong only to God, we're going to see a ton of things like that, how this impacts our life on a daily basis. But I thought about this with the, everything that we're talking about. The first step, the first step is for us to be able to lay on your back there, look up at the sky and say, too big, <laughs> beyond me. Uh, I guess you say it like this, he's God and I'm not in our story there. Uh, what did the husband and wife do? At the end, they fell on their faces. They fell on their faces. And that's really what I, I was hoping as we look at the greatness of God today and, and we come, that's really what I'm hoping I can lead us all to do. Fall on our faces before the Almighty, yet not, un, not knowable, Incomprehensible. I couldn't remember the word. I was going to say inconceivable. Uh, fall on our faces between the incomprehensible God. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, cbcedwardsburg.com. You may also contact the church via email, info at cbcedwardsburg.com, or call us at 269 663 2648. Thank you for listening.